Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Ah, uh, what's up, wrestling fans? We are back. It's the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast coming at you with episode number 93. My name is Brandon Olinger, and join with me, as always, number one co-host, number one fan man, all-around ladies man. You can get the gist. All-around ladies man. Ben, the Law Watson. What up, what up, what up? Hey, Ben, what's going on with you, buddy? Oh, man, not much. Just uh, got done with a pretty awesome interview, dude. Tis the season. Tis the season. Uh, yes, as Ben has alluded to, um, this is yet another uh, in the line of, I guess, uh, post-NCAA championships, post-men's D1 collegiate season, uh, catching up with series interviews. And this is one that I've been really excited to do. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers to follow the last couple of years. We were very fortunate to have his brother come on last year in his first year as a coach for Cornell yeah. University, um, and that would be none other than Max Dean this year. So I'm excited. It was a great interview, Ben. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait for the people to listen to it. Yeah, man, I thought I thought it was awesome. It's really cool to listen to Max talk about his relationship with his brother. I thought that was really neat. I think that the um, people that listen will really enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. And not so much just his brother as well, but even even some of the stuff he said about his father, who was also a very very yes. very good uh, D1 collegiate wrestler for Minnesota back in the day. Yeah, man, it was great. Yeah. All right, so before we bring it to you real quick, uh, as always, this is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 93. You guys can find us on Twitter at the Inside Trip one Got a Facebook page out there. It's the Inside Trip. Got an Instagram, the Inside Trip. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so to the Inside Trip one at gmail.com. As for the podcast itself, you guys know where to find it. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, all those good things. Go out there, find it, subscribe, download, listen, and if you like it or don't like it, feel free to give us a rate and a review. Yeah, if you like the guests but don't like us, rate us on the guests and not us. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that, If too. you don't like the guests and like us, don't rate, don't rate the guests. Then. All right, enough of us fools talking to you. Here we go. Here's the interview with none other than Max Dean. All right, joining us on the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast is two-time All-American and 2019 NCAA runner-up. Max Dean from Cornell University. Max, my man, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing pretty well today. Um, thanks for asking. How about you? Oh, we're doing great. Doing absolutely great. Um, first of all, I just want to say thanks for taking the time out of um, what I have to assume is a very busy schedule, obviously post-NCAAs, to talk with us. Um, how's everything going now that you've had about a week to recover physically um, and mentally from the NCAA championships? Uh, things are going great. Uh, yeah, I mean, this last week was pretty insane with school and stuff. Uh, you know, kind of leading up to NCAAs, it's almost like you uh, you kind of get in your own little world and bubble, and there's some things you start putting off as far as, like, papers. And, you know, luckily everybody's, you know, your professors are pretty understanding and whatnot. But I uh, I definitely had a lot to get done this last week. But right now, actually, I'm down in uh, Savannah, Georgia, visiting my little sister. She goes to school down here. Um, it's Cornell spring break. So. Okay. All right. Nice. You know, been hanging out on the beach a little bit and uh, doing some 
touristy stuff and I, you know, I hadn't been down here yet to, you know, kind of see how she's living. So it's a uh, cool, Savannah's a neat place and just relaxing a little bit. Oh, Savannah's beautiful. I've been down there a couple of times myself. It's absolutely, absolutely a beautiful area. Um, that, that actually worked out kind of well for you, I guess, you know, actually having a spring break after the tournament rather than having to go straight back into classes. I would say that I would prefer that. Well, yeah. So we actually, we did have classes this last week. Um, so our spring break is this week. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, oh so yeah. I guess it would have been, it would have been, it definitely would have been preferable to go straight into spring break for sure. Uh, like I said, this last week was pretty crazy. I had a midterm and to study for that, you know, I didn't, I felt like I didn't know anything. I mean, leading into it, I, you know, I figured it out, but, uh, and some papers to write and stuff like that. And it's like the last thing, you know, you want to do after you get out of the NCAA tournament and, you know, you put this great body of work together as far as wrestling goes. And then it's like, you got to snap back into gear and, you know, write some papers. Yeah. Like, right. man, I don't really feel like doing anything right now. I just, I just want to sleep all day. It's that but, whole, uh, uh student uh, athlete yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yep. You know, sometimes the student part isn't quite as fun as the athlete part, but <laughs> it's part of the package. So that's the deal you make. Right, understood. So listen, man, got to ask you, you know, you're now a two-time NCAA All-American after your first two collegiate seasons. What's that mean to you when you hear that? Uh, you know, it's definitely something I'm proud of. Um, you know, it's nice that I'm able to give that back to Cornell because they've given me so much. And, um, you know, being an All-American is definitely on my list of goals. Uh, last year, you know, it felt great just to slide in the eighth place. And it's kind of crazy this year. You know, I, I was in the finals and uh, I, you know, I don't want to seem ungrateful, but I guess I would almost say that I feel much less satisfied this year. Um, I think it's probably just because of kind of like the way it ended. And um, it was such, you know, it, it was a weekend that had some awesome moments for sure. Uh, and then just kind of that last match, I don't feel like I uh, – you know, I put my best self out there, right. but, um, you know, being a two-time All-American, definitely something that, you know, I guess I'm proud of, but, uh, you know, certainly not satisfied either. You know, I mean, we're definitely going to get into to your NCAA tournament and, and specifically that, that finals match here in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but since, you know, you, since you brought up, you know, Cornell and being grateful, you know, one of the things that we've always noticed about Cornell is that they're, they're always a team, in, 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 at least in my opinion, that, that really outperforms expectations, especially towards the end of the year and at the national tournament. From your perspective, why do you think that is? Well, you know, we focus a lot on peaking at the right time of the year. So, you know, sometimes we'll compete in certain events um, and we'll be kind of trained. I wouldn't want to say just straight training through. It's not like they run us into the ground, but it's not like we're focusing on being – you know, the best for that tournament. We definitely have our eyes set on March, you know, kind of as the entire year progresses. Um, you know, I guess we don't wrestle a big 10 schedule. So maybe if a guy drops a match, then he kind of just sits low in the rankings the rest of the year until he gets a chance to wrestle NCAs. Um, you know, so sometimes I feel like maybe throughout the year, our guys are ranked a little bit lower. Uh, you know, I guess I don't know for sure. I kind of hear about rankings. I don't really ever look at them, but sometimes, you know, people will say stuff to you all the time. So, but you know, I guess I'd say the main reason probably is because I feel like Cornell does a really great job peaking. Um, and, you know, we're pretty, uh, I don't know if I'd say scientific, but uh, systematic about it. You know, there's a, there's like a definite kind of blueprint for how we do it and, you know, what days we train hard when we pull off. And, you know, we have some, some really, you know, like the top notch, like Kyle Dake, Mike Gray, Gabe, Coach Cole, they really understand the peaking. Uh, and I think that's important. That's why we always perform well at the NCAA tournament. Is the peaking process uh, kind of individualized for each guy, or is it is it a team effort? 
Uh, no, it's definitely individualized, which I think is probably, you know, one of the greatest things about Cornell. It's not like they just try to fit everybody into the same mold. Like my needs aren't the same as Yanni's needs aren't the same as Vito Arruja's needs or Ben Hannes, Brandon Womack, you know, any of those guys, every athlete's a little bit different, you know, as far as technical thing goes, as far as training need goes, um, you know, maybe someone needs to focus more on diet or sleep or, and you, you have, you know, definitely a, a finite amount of energy and every athlete can spend their energy different ways. So I think that's what Cornell does really well is they kind of individualize it. And, uh, you know, every athlete gets their specific needs met as best as they can. No, that makes, that makes total sense. And it's actually been kind of a common theme that we've heard from, from athletes uh, that are part of programs that have great success at the national tournament. They, they're all speak very highly of their team's uh, philosophy when it comes to peaking. Um, and I think it's obviously evident in the results. Um, you know, we're probably going to bounce around a little bit here and I'm going to, I'm going to bounce over to your coaches since you actually brought them up. Um, first of all, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. What's it like having your brother Gabe in your corner when you wrestle? Dude, it's the best. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, it, uh, and I think I, this is a year where I really grew to a point where I could appreciate it. Um, like at its full level, but just the experiences that I get to share with him and, you know, him being my brother and like my best friend, it's, it's something I wouldn't trade for anything. It's really neat. I, I, uh, it's been I, kind of a road getting to, it's been, go, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I, I figured he'd be a little more excited for you after you won that semifinals match. <laughs> you think so, man? I don't know. He might've lost us some team points or something. That or, was, uh, you know, had a heart, had a heart, a heart attack or I don't know. That was a really, man, that was, that was awesome to watch that celebration. I, it literally looked like he had like a 65 inch vertical leap. I, I mean, I didn't know the man could jump that high. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it made it like he was just a little bit more athletic in that moment for whatever reason, his, his adrenaline was going or something, but he got up there and I've seen some pictures and stuff. He, he was pretty high in the air. So, um, yeah, but no, having Gabe, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that. It, uh, I haven't always been in a spot in my career where I could really appreciate, you know, the things that Gabe and I get to get to do together and I, you know I used to it's not even really resentment towards I would say even like towards Gabe but I used to carry around a lot more as far as just being a little brother um with you know with an older brother that was really successful and some of the expectations and the pressure that comes with that and it was I was there were certain points in my career where I was like you know like I love Gabe he's obviously a great wrestler he obviously has a lot to offer but I think the best thing for me is just to kind of do this on my own and just have him be my brother and kind of separate from my wrestling career but um, I think just kind of through maturing and, you know, some different experiences and finally getting to this year and just getting to a point where, you know, I'm a mature enough person to realize, like, those expectations are just distractions and being able to, you know, take the things the game has to offer both, like, in the sport technically, physically, but then also just, like, as my brother. And, right. um, you know, it's the best. I, uh, you know, I train. He's, like, my training partner slash coach. So we wrestle almost every day. We hang out all the time um, and, you know, just somebody that, you know, both I love and is my friend, but also I look up to and respect, you know, more than anybody in the world. And just to get to share, you know, those moments with him and, you know, we're not done, but, you know, that semifinal win was pretty cool. That's something, you know, him and I always remember. And, um, you know, he's always proud of me and he always hurts for me when I hurt and, you know, it's, it's special. 
You know, I think this is uh, honestly, I think this is some really good stuff here. And um, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a couple of other questions around this before we get into some of the other coaches and some of the other things. You know, first of all, we were very fortunate to have Gabe Dean, your brother, obviously, on our podcast last year, um, his first year as a coach with Cornell. And all the, thing, all the things that you just said about what it's like having him as your coach, um, I do recall he kind of spoke in the same manner um, about what it was like getting to actually coach you now. So I think that's that's something that's really cool. You talked about these pressures, though, um, that maybe have been put on you uh, because of the fact that he was your brother. And I think for most people can agree that when Gabe came into college, like I don't think he was the most, you know, heralded recruit that you would see. But he had this instant success. You know, there was the upset of Ed Ruth as a freshman. He would go on to finish third before, you know, winning a couple of national titles, you know, the years preceding that um, or following that. I'm just curious. This pressure that you speak of, was it pressure that you put on yourself or did you actually feel that there was expectations put on you from other people that, hey, your brother Gabe accomplished this, now we expect you to accomplish this same thing as well? Uh, no, I mean, I would say it's definitely mostly self-imposed. Um, you know, it stems from, you know, obviously like things that I want and then just almost like that uh, – that everybody thinks I could do it just because Gabe could do it. But for most of my career, you know, I haven't been in a place physically, technically, you know, mentally where I was ready to accomplish those things. But then it's almost like you still expect to do them. So it's more so like you start your career in a place where you have all these expectations and you're not even near them versus just starting and being like, man, I don't know where I'm going to end up by the end of my career, but you know, I'm just going to try to be the best that I can, which is, I think the luxury of like being an older brother is that Gabe got into college, and you're right, he wasn't like a really a heralded recruit, and he got to go out there and just, I don't know, <laughs> send it, I guess, every time he wrestled, right? Right. But me, if I'm wrestling, if I'm, especially like, you know, when I first get into college and I'm wrestling guys that aren't even ranked in the country and I'm having tight matches or, you know, maybe I beat some decent kids, but it's almost like, you know, I'm not that good yet, and all these expectations that I expect to meet by the end of my career, I'm not that close to them yet, and it's, uh, it becomes kind of hard to enjoy it. Does that make sense? No, to complete um, sense. So it's like almost like everything you do isn't good enough. And that it's not that that didn't come from anybody, but from me, you know, um, like my, my parents gave my coaches, everybody has always just been, you know, supportive of me, proud of me. But, you know, I, I mean, I kind of decided at a young age that I wanted to do these things. Uh, and then, you know, you think that you can, but it, it's like, you're so far from it. And, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of stumbling over my words now, but uh, no, I, I, what you're saying makes complete sense. And I think we can definitely, uh, you know, get the point that you're making here. Um, it was just definitely when I was kind of putting this outline together, thinking about some of the questions that we wanted to ask you. Um, that was one of the things that I was always so intrigued about was, you know, what type of pressure did you carry when you came onto the Cornell campus? And was that self-imposed or was it something that was put on you by your, you know, your peers and your coaches as well? Yeah, I mean, it actually started before I even got to Cornell's campus. I remember the, the exact moment when it started. Um, if you if you want to know, I remember I was actually sitting with my cousins and one of my uncles, and we were watching Gabe Russell, Ed Ruth, in the Southern Scuffle Finals. And, uh, like, I mean, I didn't think he could win. I wanted to wrestle tough, but, you know, it was uh, – I think he'd gotten pinned the last time he wrestled him in, like, the first period. And, Correct. You know, Gabe wasn't Gabe – wasn't, I mean, nobody is that guy until they are that guy. But Gabe wasn't that guy yet, so, you know, he's obviously a good wrestler. But as soon as he won that match, it was like everything. I was like, oh, my God, like, Gabe's so good. Like, how am I ever going to be that good, <laughs> you know? 
Um, and then he went on to accomplish all these things. Uh, luckily, you know, I have great role models and great support and, um, my dad has been an awesome mentor as far as like the mentality side of wrestling goes. So I've had him to kind of guide me through this, but you know, for a large part of my career, it's been like, you know, I've accomplished some things, but it's, uh, it was almost like hard to be happy about it. If that makes sense. And I think I've gotten to a point now where I've just, I've completely separated myself. Like Gage career was Gage career. My career is mine. I mean, that's, you know, easy to say, but almost harder to like believe, but I've gotten to a point where I really believe that and, you know, who knows how the rest of my career will go. I just want to be the best wrestler that I can be. And, you know, I want to compete without fear every time I step on the mat and just being my own person is, you know, a really important part of that. And it's it's so nice to hear you say that because you're right. I think probably, you know, when you first came into Cornell and like you said, even before then, you know, Gabe cast such a big shadow that, you know, I'm sure at times you felt like Gabe's younger brother instead of, you know, Max, but 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 you know at least the way that we look at you here is, is is completely you know two completely separate wrestlers that both are great in their own right. Um, so you're talking about kind of um, you know when you found out you know when Gabe beat Ed Ruth. I think were you, were you, you were were you still in high school at that time? Yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. And, and you were what a two-time state champ from Michigan, and I think you even missed the year because of injury. Yeah, so I won a state title in Michigan. My that my sophomore year and then I didn't wrestle at all my junior year. I went basically like a year and a half without wrestling because I, uh, like we were, Gabe and I were really into football in high school too. Um, our high school Lowell is like a successful football program and it's big there and we loved it. Gabe actually, I'm sure you've probably heard the story, but wanted to play football in college until kind of late his senior year. And, uh, so I stopped wrestling in a July, like the July after my sophomore year, um, and just started going completely football. During that football season, I broke my wrist, but I didn't know I'd broken my wrist until like two weeks after the football season. It had been a couple months, and uh, it like just wasn't getting better, so I got it checked out. It's crazy. I broke this little bone called the scaphoid, and it takes forever to heal. So I got surgery in like December, took six months to heal, but by the time it healed, it was time for football again. Played another football season, so it was almost like I missed a year and a half of wrestling. And when I got to my – I remember like the first time that I wrestled my senior year – it was crazy. I didn't even know how to wrestle anymore. I was so bad. <laughs> I kind of had to figure it out again. And uh, then ended up, go, you know, kind of figuring it out. And I was athletic enough and, you know, had enough. It came back to where I ended up winning, you know, Michigan State title my senior year too, which isn't the craziest thing in sports to do. Um, I thought it was pretty cool when I did it, looking yeah, back on it. I think uh, it's pretty cool. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. That probably seems ungrateful. It was, it was, it was cool when it happened. It just seems so long ago. Now. Yeah, we need you to um, quit being so ungrateful on this podcast, Max. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm going to establish right now. I'm, re- I'm really grateful for everything that I've gotten to experience. Good, I'm, good. I'm lucky, and I realize that how lucky I am. So <laughs> you're um, damn right. Hey, but, uh, were you heavily so, recruited? Yeah. At, were you heavily recruited out of high school? I mean, you did, you won two titles in Michigan. I mean, it's, it's seriously that's not that's I mean that's pretty good, especially with with being out uh, your junior year for injury. Uh you know, I would not say I was heavily recruited. I definitely got some attention from some places. Uh, nothing, none of those like big time major schools. I think for the most part, a lot of the bigger major schools just kind of assumed I was going to go to Cornell, and you know, I definitely didn't want to lead anybody on. So, um, like, for example, you know, the guys in Minnesota, they, my dad went to Minnesota. They were just like, hey, 
you know, is there any chance, you know, Max doesn't go to Cornell because we don't want to waste our time. So my dad's like, hey, what do you want me to tell him? And I was like, nah, just tell him I'm going to Cornell. And kind of situations like that where my dad's pretty established in the wrestling world. He knows a lot of guys. Right. And Gabe was always around different college coaches. So there was a lot of different college coaches that would just kind of straight up ask Gabe, like, hey, you know, should we recruit your brother? And, I, you know, I think him selfishly, he definitely wanted me to come to Cornell. Um, so he'd be like, no, don't. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, a few, a few of the other Ivy League schools were calling me. And um, I was pretty set on Cornell, you know, from ever since when Gabe went there. Gotcha. You know, so uh, it wasn't like I just didn't want to lead anybody on. I wanted to be really straightforward with everybody. Didn't want to waste anybody's time. And, uh, you know, I knew Cornell was the place for me. Well, hey, man, in, in case you were still wondering, um, after two seasons, it seems like uh, it's worked out for you so far. Just wanted to make sure that <laughs> yeah, you knew that. It's going okay? all right. From our perspective, <laughs> it seems to have worked out pretty well for you so far. Yeah, thank you. I, yeah. I feel like I made a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, verdict is still out on that, I guess. Right. Um, Good so far. So, uh, so Max, you know, going back to your coaches, look, I think, I think everyone knows that, you know, the type of coach and mastermind that, that Coach Cole is and what he's done to really build up that Cornell program. Um, you know, but aside, uh, you know, but besides your brother, you know, you also have the, the fortune, in my opinion, of being coached by, you know, by a really – great assistant coach coach gray who i think is probably one of the most underrated assistant coaches in college wrestling you know what type of impact does does coach gray have on on you and and even the cornell team in general a huge one yeah so like i said i'm not a big i don't go on floor wrestling or read anything or internet those websites i like to stay off of it so i guess i don't really know how much credit coach gray gets or doesn't get you know from people outside of the cornell wrestling community but he should get a lot. He's an unbelievable coach. Um, you know, I know that he, he didn't win national titles in college, but that guy understands wrestling so well. He's the type of dude that would do anything for his athletes. I mean, he'll do, he, he's, there's been so many times where like, I didn't have someone to lift with and he woke up at 7am and came and lifted with me. And you know, he didn't have to do that or, you know, I don't have someone to wrestle with and he's supposed to be putting me, putting me through a technique session. He's like 130 pounds. He'll just wrestle with me. I'm like 200 pounds. I'm just spiking him on the mat, but like he'll do it. Um, he understands wrestling so well. He watches so much film. Um, you know, a lot of my offense and uh, leg defense that I developed in this last year was just work that I did with him. I mean, he uh, was doing individual technique sessions with me all the time. So as far you know, his impact on me and Cornell wrestling, it's, it's huge. It'd be really hard for us to accomplish the things that we've accomplished, you know, if he wasn't there. Um, and you said that, I don't know, I don't know how he gets rated. Um, you know, not to say that, you know, obviously you guys understand how great he is and from what you're saying, but he, uh, he should be rated really high. He's a great coach. Yeah. I, I, I think just in my opinion, I think he's probably underrated by people that maybe to the average casual fan who really doesn't understand or follow some of these programs. You know, it's easy to hear coach Cole. It's easy to recognize, you know, the names like oh. Gabe Dean and stuff like that, or even some of these other assistants, but you can just tell for that. sure. I mean, you see, you see Kyle Dake or you see Gabe Dean. You're like, Oh my God, those guys. But right. Um, you know, no, Mike Ray is, you know, a pinnacle of Cornell wrestling. He's, he's like, I mean, I've said it already, but he's awesome. So I've actually, you know, I've actually heard some, you know, just people mentioning this, 
he could be a guy that could one of the next assistants to take over like a, a program as a head coach, maybe even you know be in the running for a you know a Maryland type job. Um, d- does coach does does Coach Gray have aspirations to be a head coach at another program, or does he just really enjoy the, the you know being a part of the Cornell staff? Do you? I, I guess I'm just asking for your opinion. So I, I mean I haven't I don't know I haven't asked him. You know, I would, he's a really driven guy that deserves to be a head coach for sure. At some point in his career, I think he'd be great at it. Um, I'd be really disappointed if he left Cornell, uh, you know, because <laughs> right. not just because he, he, he offers so much as a wrestling coach, just because I love the guy. He's like, I love him. Like, a, you know, I look up to him and respect him just as much as you could respect anybody, but also like a brother, you know, it's wrestling's like that where it's your life. So you know, the people that are your coaches and your teammates, that's who you spend all your time with. And, you know, those are the people you get really close to. And, you know, I'm really close with Mike Gray. Um, so, you know, if he took a, I'd be really happy for him if he ended up becoming a head coach somewhere else, but I'd also be disappointed just because I wouldn't be, you know, he'd be somewhere else. Uh, I have no idea if he's applying for those jobs, you know, what he's doing, um, you know, if that's what he wants, you know, he's more than qualified. But, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm just, assuming he's going to be back next year and we're going to have the same staff next year and everything's going to be, you know, happy in my universe and right. <laughs> you know, nothing's changing. We're just going to keep working on wrestling. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to speculate, you know, as to what he might be doing. I, I have, you know, I haven't heard anything that he's going to those jobs. No, but, it's you know, okay. If and he I, wanted to, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just curious what your opinion was on it. And I appreciate you giving us, you know, at least some sort of perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I wish I had more, some, you know, headline or more interesting information for you guys, but you know, I, I haven't right. heard anything about that. I think, I think coming off the NCAA tournament, you know, he, I mean, he's Yanni's guy. They just won another, you know, individual title. And um, I think at this point, everybody just wants to relax a little bit. And I mean, I guess Yanni's probably getting ready for the U S open. So I don't know how much they're relaxing right now, um, but he, uh, you know, they did a great job and, yeah, I mean, he's a great coach, and, you know, fingers – I mean, I, I assume he'll be back next year. Gotcha. I hope so. Gotcha. so. So, you know, we talk about Coach Gray and Coach Cole, but what's it like having a, a figure like Kyle Dake around the program, and what kind of impact does he have both both on the program and both and on you and your success? I mean, he's a huge name in the community. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, you know, I guess I've kind of just been talking about how awesome everybody is, so, I mean, I'm going to keep in that trend – uh, sorry if that's kind of boring. I don't really have any, like, hot takes on anybody. I think at first, like, when I first got to Cornell, I was like, oh, my God, it's Kyle Dake. And it's almost like you're intimidated by him. But you get to a point where it's just Kyle. And, um, you know, you're definitely aware of kind of his caliber as far as, like, being a superstar wrestler and how, how well he understands it, um, some of the things that he has to offer. But, you know, also he's just a – you know, he's a cool guy to hang out with. And, you know, he's a different, he's a different guy. We make fun of him. He's really into – like podcasts and he and in credit to him he's super studied on it it's all pretty legitimate things but also some kind of out there things as far as like the way he approaches his life and his training right he um, seems pretty essential i don't know, if he, I don't know if, <laughs> yeah yeah I, you know that's a good word for him and i mean that in a great way right he's uh i call him a free thinker i call him a free thinker he uh god but you everything that he does do you, you have to respect it because he's so committed to it and it's all in the pursuit of like his ultimate goal, which is, you know, being the best wrestler that he can be and being a world and Olympic champion. Right. And you know, who would I, so he, 
I'll, here, I'll give you guys an example. He's into these um, like blue light glasses. Yes. Like blue light filtering glasses. Are you familiar? Are you I'm familiar so, with blue I'm, light at all? Yeah, I'm or, so glad you brought this up because we were we were watching you guys warm up um, in Pittsburgh last week. We were down on the floor watching you guys warm up. I think it was Wednesday, and uh, you know, date gets done, and he, he throws like these orange colored glasses on. You know, and I was I was asking you know Ben and some of the other guys like what is that all about? And somebody tried to explain it, but I I don't think they really knew. So I'm so glad you brought this up. So there's. There's all these studies that have been done, and blue light basically comes from everything that produces light in the modern world. So regular light bulbs or your phone screen or a TV or, you know, I don't know, anything, a car's headlights. And there's been all these studies done that it's bad for a couple of reasons. One, and I'm not an expert, so, you know, maybe I'm going to mess this up. Maybe Kyle will hear this will come yell at me be like, dude, you made me sound like an idiot. So I apologize if that's true. But one of them is that it's just like, it's not good for your body in general, recovery and healing. Um, it's unnatural. And then the other one is especially like at nighttime, uh, when you're going to try and fall asleep, it's like your body, like throughout like the course of history until uh, like the last century, you know, humanity has never gotten like exposed to that much light, like late at night. So that's why people have like issues falling asleep is because they've got all this artificial light. All right, man, Max, you were just sitting here talking to us about how, uh, you know, there's people who struggle falling asleep at night because of artificial lights. And then for some reason, our cell phones and computers get shut off. I think the government's listening in on this. They didn't want they didn't want the people to hear this type of stuff. Um, but, yeah, possibly. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and finish up what you were talking about with Kyle, because I think this stuff is so interesting, interesting. And, you know, people that have followed Kyle, you know, they they. They get the the feeling that he's kind of a I don't want to say strange dude because that sounds bad, but uh, he's got some quirks about him that that he believes, and that's obviously made him pretty successful along along the way as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yeah, about the blue light, that kind of encapsulates it. That there's a couple different things that you know. There's actually a lot of people out there believe it's bad for you, and Kyle's decided that it's not good for him. So you know, he tries to filter blue light out of his life. And gotcha. Uh, you know, we we make he we definitely as a program give Kyle a hard time, and he's kind of, you know he's kind of a nut. But at the same time, you know, who am I to tell Kyle that he's crazy because you know the dude dude's a world champ. No one in the world could even score on him. And right. He's a four time NCAA champ, so it's uh, you know, everybody's got their like. I we have a great staff. I think one of the greatest things about our staff is that everybody's very different. Um, you know. Like Kyle and Gabe, both super successful wrestlers. Mike Gray, super successful wrestler and coach. Um, you know, Coach Cole too. That you know, they've all had a lot of success. Success, but you know, they've all kind of done it in different ways. They all take different approaches to things. So, it's there's kind of a saying that it's like almost you're your own best coach. For me, we have all these resources and all these coaches at Cornell that are so different. I just try to listen to each one, be respectful to each one, and then you know, think about what they're doing. Think about if that's what's best for me or maybe the way that Mike Gray does this would be better for me or maybe the way Gabe does this or Kyle does this. I've definitely pulled things from every coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not on the blue light train yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it, I don't know if that's for me. I think maybe stressing about blue light would make me worse than just getting that. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I'm kind of choosing not to really believe in that, but I'm sure there's some level of truth to it. Yeah, you got um, enough to worry about but, right now. <laughs> yeah, but hey, man, it, it's whatever Kyle is doing is working for him. So, and like I said, you have to respect it because he doesn't just say it. And Kyle would never give you advice that he wouldn't do himself. 
Oh, that's so, a, that's a that's you know, interesting. He's, he's yeah, no. So he's committed to it. He's doing all these things, and he believes in him. And I mean, the dude just won a world title. He's going to be an Olympic champion. So you know, I have no business telling him what's wrong, what's right. Yeah, even uh, if it is kind of nutty. And we have no business judging him either. For hey, so you know, ultimately. Uh, this podcast is about you, and I want to transition about you. So I do want to ask you one last question related to, to, to kind of Kyle Dake, but it pertains to you. Does having a guy like that around you, you know, almost every day, who was a four-time national champ at four different weights, he just won a world, you know, a world title, um, one of the best guys in the world. When you have a guy like that that's around you on a daily basis, does that cause you or help you raise your game a level? Do, do you feel like you needed to, to raise your, you know, your wrestling ability a level because you've got guys like that around you? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, we're all, we're all only as good as the company we keep. Um, so being around somebody like Kyle, like Gabe, even, you know, Mike, Coach Cole, all those things, you spend time with those people and, you know, they all believe in you. It's, it's kind of what you need to almost start believing in yourself. So, and yeah, I mean, 100%. I remember actually right before I went out to wrestle Miles Martin in the semis this year, Kyle looked at me and he was like, you know, the entire wrestling, you know, the entire wrestling community, they're going to be super surprised when you beat Miles Martin. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess they probably would be. He goes, <laughs> and he looks at me, he goes, I'm not going to be surprised though. That's and good stuff. Like, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's all those guys, all of our coaches, you know, our teammates, um, they've always believed in me. And I think that's something that's important, you know, for me to have confidence and be able to go out there because, you know, if my coaches weren't, you know, I guess, if, I don't know if you'd find anywhere where your coaches didn't believe in you right. per se, right. but to have somebody that is accomplished like Kyle, accomplished like Gabe, accomplished like Mike, you know, and they've been there, seen there, seen it, done it, all those things, you know, tell you, you know, you're, you're capable of accomplishing these goals. You've done the work to do it. You know, you have the skills to do it. You know, it's, you know, you never, you know, you know, you're never alone when you walk out there because you have those guys behind you Love and it. you've got a, you know, a good crowd with you. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, look, it's evident. And that's one of the things that, you know, Ben and I, we talk all the time, just when we're, you know, bullshitting about wrestling in general, that, you know, Cornell always comes to the tournament ready to go. Um, you guys, uh, you guys always compete extremely hard and, and it's it, you have such a great coaching staff and it's such a diverse coaching staff as well so it's it's so great to get your perspective on, on that and I really do appreciate it but I want to transition a little bit let's let's get into to, to your season your career specifically um it, it, look I gotta tell you from my perspective you've had such an interesting first couple of seasons of collegiate wrestling at Cornell and I mean that, what I mean by that is you always seem to get better and better as the season goes on. I mean, in fact, this year, you know, your upwards trajectory of improvement was nothing short of phenomenal in, in, in mine and Ben's opinion. We talked about it so much on our podcast episodes. We talk about it so much off the mic. You know, people always talk about wrestlers making jumps from one season to the next and even throughout individual seasons but you in general have seemed to really embody that thought and I'm curious to know besides your coaching staff that we've already talked about what is it what has it been for you um, that's allowed you to do that you know managing your whether it's been managing your training um, or your competitive nature or whatever it is I just I would really love to hear from you how you've been able to make these major jumps not only from one season to the next but you know you'll go from taking some 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 bad lumps in November December to to just completely owning some of these same people come January February 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of what you see there is the peaking um, and things of that nature and, you know, being at a place like Cornell that gets you ready to compete at the end of the year. But I think this year more so, a lot of the jumps I made were more mental, um, you know, emotional, and then changing that, which in turn, you know, resulted in, you know, becoming a better wrestler. You know, I talked a little bit already about all the expectations that I used to carry with Gabe and, uh, and put on myself and, you know, sometimes I would compete kind of scared or, you know, be nervous or not quite enjoying it. And actually this year is the year that I finally feel like I got over that um, to a point where it just like wasn't worth it to me anymore to keep doing it that way. And I, you know, there's actually a specific moment where like, you know, I made that choice where, you know, I don't care what happens anymore. I don't care if I win or lose. I'm not carrying these expectations anymore. I'm not carrying the stress anymore. I would rather quit than do it that way. It's not fun. I just want to step on the mat without fear every time. I just want to go to practice without fear every time, work as hard as I can and, you know, let it fly. And I think finally making that decision to compete that way, I, you know, kind of made it at the end of December is what everything just started changing for me. Um, you know, instead of worrying about winning or losing, all I wanted to do was wrestle through every position. And when you start doing it that way, you start training that way. I think that's when you start getting really good. Um, what actually led me to make that decision at the end of December is we were wrestling down at the South Beach Duels in Florida and we were wrestling against Missouri. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I had all these expectations and, you know, I'd been training hard and I was supposed to be getting better and all these things. And you're wrestling a guy that, you know, he's, he's pretty good. And not to take credit away from the kid from Missouri, but about Dylan um, Wiseman? you know, to the guy that I, de- yeah. Yep. So, it, you know, he's a kid that, you know, I, in my mind I should be right. Um, and I remember I just like walked out there and I was so stressed before the match and like, you know, how stress just drains you, you know, both physically, like emotionally, physically. And I walked out there and like, I just wrestled so poorly. And I remember I came off the mat and I knew that I competed that way. And I'd been scared because I was so attached to winning and losing. And I was like, you know, I talked to my dad and I talked to Gabe and I was like, guys, maybe, you know, I hate this right now and I'm, I'm not succeeding. Like maybe I should just quit because this isn't even fun. And they're like, well, you know, would you, would you like yourself better if you quit? And I was like, no, I would, I would hate myself. <laughs> you know, I'm not a quitter. Right. They're like, all right, well, you're not going to quit and you hate the way you're doing it. So why are you doing it this way? And no, I, I think that, I think that's made way too much sense. It, it makes a ton of sense to you kind know, of so, take the winning and losing out of it. Right. And think about getting, just getting better. Right. And I, I think that we've seen that. In, yeah. In the, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Max. No, no, please, please, honestly, please. No, I was just going to say that the reason why I think we saw a lot of that is because you started to kind of, I mean, you have this ability to kind of flip matches that, you know, you've lost previously and then you can, you know, you win later on. You've avenged a lot. What I guess what I'm trying to say is you've avenged a lot of your losses. And I don't know if you attribute that to mindset or, or what else you attribute that to. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to say mindset. Obviously, you're going to get better, better, you know, especially being at a place like Cornell where they're so technical and detail-oriented and they're really good at handling training. Um, you know, people get – you. if you go to Cornell, you're just going to get better as your career goes on. You know, that's kind of what they do. I don't think you'll see anybody that got worse. I don't know if you could name one Cornell wrestler that you would say, yeah, he didn't do – you know, he got worse <laughs> throughout his career or, or he didn't get better. Um, but uh, I think – you know, a lot of it's mental and, you know, I think when you start just, when you get in that point where you don't even worry so much, you don't worry about winning or losing, 
you're just focused on the person that you want to be, the competitor that you want to be. And you, you know, you just focus on going out there to be fearless and to wrestle through every position, no matter what, and never stop and just to, you know, impose your will on a guy, you're going to compete a lot better than if you're going out there right. to try and win a match. And it's, it's kind of ironic because the winning happens more often as a result of not caring about it. But, um, that's so true. I think when people figure that out, that's, that's when they start, you know, they start hitting their strides as a competitor. And that's something I feel like I figured out this year, um, you know, and kind of until, you know, we're going to talk more about that finals match, I guess. So sure. we'll get to that when we get there, but it's so enlightening that you, um, you say this because so, you know, we follow college wrestling, you know, pretty, pretty hard. And, and we, and we didn't know why, but we kind of saw, you know, so we followed the earlier losses. We followed the loss to Wisman and we're thinking, okay, you know, you know, where's Max Dean at this year? But then there was like a flip that switched. And even when we watched you wrestle Miles Martin in the dual meet, and, um, you know, I know the score wasn't terribly close, but you were battling him. You know, I think towards the end of the year, and this is no disrespect to you, I was I was thinking, you know, Max Dean might be, and, you know, he might be the, the toughest um, or, you know, biggest um, threat to Miles Martin in the country because of the way you were wrestling at the time. Yeah, well, you know, thank you. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I feel like we, you know, me just as a person and the person that I want to be, I feel like I started to figure something out. Um, you know, and none of us are perfect. You know, I certainly hadn't perfected it yet by the end of this year, but I was certainly a lot better about it and was carrying a lot less stress and competing a lot harder and, you know, competing with a lot less fear, which, you know, I think was why I was competing a lot better towards the end of the year, so. Yeah, and I think it, you know, to kind of piggyback on to what Ben just said, Max, I mean, you know, you, you go out to Cliff Keen, you take two losses out there this year. I think this is the second year in a row that you take two losses at Cliff Keen. Um, this year, if I'm not mistaken, you lost uh, 17 to 7 to Miles Martin. I think you also lost pretty convincingly to, to, to Zavatsky as well, correct? Yeah, we were in kind of a close match, and then I got taken down to my back at the end. Right. But, um, but yeah, I lost to him, and then I actually I lost to Louis Dupre from Binghamton too, uh, for fifth and sixth. Okay, okay. So, so the, there was that, that tournament has never. <laughs> it's not my tournament, man. I've never done solitaire. <laughs> you know, didn't two cracks at it, but I mean it's okay. You know, you kind of leave it, and yeah, you you... Know, at the end of the year, you're like, well, I, you know, I finished. It's kind of crazy. I didn't place at that tournament my freshman year, and then I was an all American, and then I took six at that tournament this last year, and then I was in the NCAA finals. Correct. So, it's uh you know i guess maybe next year you know no matter how it goes i maybe i won't be too discouraged at the end of this because i'm like ah it's never really gone great but no i, I mean, mean I, I'm, I'm 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 being you know i'm being a little sarcastic i i, I hate losing no it's okay we but, totally uh, get it i guess the point we're trying to make was as you could tell i mean uh, when you wrestled zavatsky again later in the duel i mean i th i think you majored him right you, you majored him you really reversed that really took it to him and then you wrestled miles martin in the last duel of the season and even though the score was 13 to 6 in favor of uh, in favor of miles martin um you really battled that match i mean it, you could tell that it was a hard fought 13 to 6 victory for miles martin and it's just insane to see that type of progress from someone from the you know the, the beginning of the season to going into the end of the season there so again it's just very it's it's very enlightening to hear your perspective on 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 what's allowing that type of growth to occur yeah well, yeah well thank you um you know like i said it's it's always you know everybody that's 
a college wrestler works hard, right? So it's always great to, you know, see some progress and um, your results. Uh, so, you know, For luckily sure. we saw a lot of progress this year and, you know, hopefully just, I just want to keep becoming, you know, a better person, a better wrestler, a better competitor. So, and carry that throughout the rest of my season. And, you know, I don't, I hope I never hit a point in my career or even in my life where I stop becoming a better wrestler or a better person, because I think the pursuit of that is what's fun about the sport. I think that it's always, the, the pursuit is always what makes things great. So let, let's get, let's get into your, your NCAA tournament this year. Um, you know, you go in as the five seed. What was your kind of initial saw, you know, the, the initial thoughts that went through your mind when you saw your draws, the five seed for this year's tournament? Uh, I, that never happened because I did not know what I was seated. No kidding. Um, until I think the day of the tournament, I think someone mentioned to me that I was five. So I didn't, I didn't know who was four, three or two. I mean, I guess I assumed, you know, Miles Martin, I assumed he was first. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll wrestle him in the semis if I get there and if he gets there. But no, I don't, uh, I don't really ever look at the charts or rankings or anything like that. It doesn't really have anything to do with wrestling, in my opinion. Um, more so, I just try to focus on what I'm going to do on the mat and my preparation in that. And, you know, I think my dad always says this. He goes, what does that have to do with grabbing somebody's leg? <laughs> like yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That's so, awesome, so if man. it uh, you know, there's that, de- yeah. So there's definitely uh, there's details for sure, and you just kind of make peace with those. You know, maybe a guy's, you know, like Miles Martin, super athletic. We got to wrestle him a certain way, or this guy's righty, or this guy's lefty, this guy rides legs. You know, those are details, and you kind of want to take care of those before the match. But you know, like I said, you just put them in their place, and then there's distractions. And to me, what you're seated, what you're ranked, what somebody said about you, this person thinks, all this and all that, all all this hoopla, all the attention that you know some people like getting, that's just that's just distractions. That has nothing to do with wrestling, and I try to separate that out from my life as much as I possibly can. Man, it's 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 so cool to hear you talk about this because it really just goes to show that like. It, all the talking and all the you know all the chatter that's done about this stuff is truly just from the fans and the media and that you guys that are going out there to actually do the work uh, you're just totally focused on scrap and it doesn't really matter who you wrestle i think it's phenomenal that you didn't even look at the bracket or know where you were drawn in at leave the bullshit to us yeah right just leave the bullshitting to the guys like us i suppose <laughs> um no i mean i think it's neat you know like i think media is important for the sport and especially to like make us more personable and you know i guess it's it's fun that it's promoted and I don't, I'm not going to act like I don't love that I get to wrestle in front of a bunch of people. And like, that's fun. It's more fun to do that than wrestle in front of no people. Or, right. You know, like I'm a human being, but as far as like being a competitor and when I got to compete, it just doesn't, it doesn't help you. No, you no. Know, attention doesn't help you. And I think that's so, great. It's like, listen, you know, brackets are released and you know, people like me and Ben, we're like, you know, dive we're diving at our computers like it's christmas day trying to download those brackets and you guys are just like nope i'm just gonna go train and get ready to wrestle this tournament and i, I just think that's so fascinating you know and then so speaking of your performance at, at the tournament you know you open up with a really you know dominating performance against army's noah stewart i believe i think you beat him by major decision before you know having to really grind out and gut out a very close match with iowa's cash wilkie and sudden victory in the second round that night does a win like that in this type of tournament over, you know, a guy like Wilkie, who was, who was actually the 12th seed, as you probably know by now, um, does that help your confidence? Or was there a bit of emotional and mental recovering that had to take place Thursday night before heading into Friday morning for the quarterfinals? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say as far as, like, emotional and mental recovery. 
it's kind of the NCAA tournament is, as you guys know, is crazy. You know, people right. get upset all the time. There's crazy matches. So it's kind of more of a survive and advance type mindset. Like you just take it one at a time. And they're like, well, uh, dang, man, that was close. Glad I made it through that one. All right, whatever, <laughs> you know, move on. Um, you know, credit to Iowa. I feel like they had a really good game plan to wrestle me. And yeah, I definitely didn't wrestle my best match, but you know, fortunately I had, you know, hadn't drained myself emotionally with stress before it and, you know, was able to have enough energy to figure out a way to win that one. Um, there's certainly some things that technically I could have done a lot better, uh, in that match, you know, and you know, that Wilkie kid, he's really strong and he keeps good position. And, you know, they had a kind of a, I guess I'm assuming it was their game plan is because what he did, it, you know, is, you know, kind of back up, back up, shoot on the edge of the match, kind of hit your knees. And then, you know, I'm on the edge of the mat. I can't really, I'm pretty good from a front headlock, you know, butt drag type situation, but I wasn't able to score off that at all because of where we were on the mat. And, you know, credit to them. They had a good game plan. You know, they put me in a tough spot and, you know, just, I guess, happy that I was able to figure that one out. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, you have those tight matches there, and you, you still make the finals. What did you know about your What did you know about your next round opponent, Nino Bonacorsi? He was he was kind of a dude that was knocking off a ton of people over the year. He had a pretty good season himself. Did you know much about him before you had to go in and wrestle him? Uh, yeah. So our coaches gave me a game plan, um, where they basically just said, "Hey, he's going to shoot from the open. It's kind of like a long, crappy shot, but he's pretty good at." He's got really long arms, so he'll get locked around. He does a nice job of, like, working up once he gets to your leg, even if his head's down and he's extended. Uh, so they're like, make sure that you're definitely in your stance. Make sure you're taking off a piece of a shot every time he shoots. Don't let him shoot clean. And uh, keep his head stuffed down. Uh, he's lefty. And that's about – that's pretty much the extent of what we did. So, you know, before – during my warm-up drill with Gabe a few times where Gabe kind of shot from the open and I stuffed the head. Um but, I mean, I think we kind of liked the matchup, too, because I'm pretty good at scrambling once guys get to my legs if their yeah. head's down. Yeah, we saw that. And uh, yeah, I think I scored. I might I might have even scored off of all his shots. You know, I'm not sure you know, if if I even attack. You know, he shoots a lot. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's nice to wrestle a guy like that. If you don't even have to shoot yourself. Right. Like, yeah, well, he's going to shoot, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score off of it. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, we had a little bit of a game plan. Um, aside from that, you said he knocked off some guys. You know, I – I didn't know, you know, that I just, I guess I knew who it was that I was wrestling. And like I said, the details, but that other stuff kind of distractions. So, I, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I couldn't really tell you what kind of year he's had other than, I guess I wrestled him in the NCAA quarterfinals. So there you a go. Pretty good one. Right. I guess. I'd, you know, I'd... <laughs> so, you know, obviously, you know, you beat Bonacorsi six to nothing and, and that obviously sets up the, the big semifinals match with, with Miles Martin. You know, we touched on this a, a bit earlier, um, again, Martin's a guy that's beaten you twice this year already. Um, and look, Max, I'm going to be honest with you from our perspective and probably from, you know, the perspective of many of the people in attendance and fans and media across the country who are watching on TV. I mean, you ultimately pulled off what was probably the biggest upset in the entire tournament. Um, I got to, you know, how did your coaches get you? One, this is a two-part question. How did your coaches get you mentally prepared to wrestle that match? And two, and I don't want this to seem like a stupid question, but did you really believe that you could win that match going into it? So part one of the question, as far as how we prepared for it, really just that it's, you know, like I've talked a lot about this mindset of no fear, rest through every position and just be pure out. You know, you got to be clear out there and kind of free of, 
my dad will say things like, you know, kind of be free of poison in your mind, which, you know, I think when you, you're attached to materialism or you know, things like that is when you're kind of almost poisoned or it takes away from the rest that you are. So no matter what, you know, it's kind of the same approach that I would have to any other matches that I just want to be free out there. I want to be clean. And I just want to know when I stepped off the mat that I didn't steal anything away from myself. So the, you know, as far as the approach goes, kind of the same, um, we definitely had a game plan for them. And it's nice that we got to wrestle them a couple times throughout the year because we kind of use those matches to learn, you know, ultimately I, I don't want to say that I didn't care if you beat me the first couple of times because I hate losing. And like, obviously you, every time you wrestle, it's if if you're not successful you know it it stinks you know losing hurts um but we used those matches to figure out what was going to be the best way to wrestle them you know when we, when, it, when it really counted so the first time you know we wrestled him at cliff keen we were kind of like well he's definitely more athletic than you he's probably more technical than you you know so you're gonna have to break <laughs> him good. or something you know you're gonna, you're gonna literally have to get him so tired that he can't wrestle anymore if you want to win this match so <laughs> i went out there and i just went crazy i went crazy i was i was going nuts and i was so out of position and i put myself in so many bad positions that i had to wrestle through and ended up actually one he just picked me off you know right um because i was going i was i was in such bad position going crazy and two i kind of broke myself Right. That's point. I was like, I was exhausted at the end of the match, and I don't even think he was tired. So that plan did not work. So that <laughs> was trial one. Uh, yeah, hey guys, that didn't go great. We got to try something else. So <laughs> um, the second one, we were like, okay, I think that maybe you can ride him, and if you can minimize his scoring in the first period, ride him, maybe sneak a, a takedown at the end of a period, maybe we can make it a little bit more tough on him. So we were like, but they gave me this game plan you know, to not let him score, that was going to be like, just stay in your stance. But they didn't have me <laughs> snapping him, you, you know, even hand faking or moving him. Right. And I think it was kind of dumb, but what we didn't realize is if you take an athlete like that, that's so technical and you don't put any pressure on him at all, even just like with your, like your own little fakes or something that he could literally just sit back there, dance around a little bit, you know, set himself up and just take cracks at you. And over do what and over he wants. Over again yeah. No pressure. Yeah, exactly. So that's what, you know, that's what happened in the second one. And it was still a little better because I didn't break myself and I was able to wrestle later in the match. Um, you know, I almost took him down. It was like some positive things where it was like, all right, guys, we cannot let him like sit back like that. So going into the third match, you know, it was lucky we, we used those first couple to learn that, you know, we knew a, exactly what game plan was going to give us our best shot, which was, hey, he's got amazing reattacks. He's super athletic. So don't take any crappy shots. You know, if there's a really good one there, take it. But for the most part, you got to don't let his hands rest on you. If he's in the open, you got to keep your feet moving, snap his hands off you, breaks off, give a little hand fakes, things like that. Just keep a little pressure on him the entire match, keep him moving. And then when we're going to get late, you're going to be fresh still. You know, you're going to go get a score. And that's how we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, that was the plan. And we went out there, no fear. And I, you know, I'm grateful that it worked. Um, you guys also asked me if I thought I could beat him. I had no idea. Probably not. You know, I don't know. I knew that I just wanted to know. It's, sorry, that sounds kind of weird. I knew that I just wanted to know. Sorry. But no. um, I knew that I wanted to walk off the mat and know that I had competed without fear and given it everything. So that was really the only thing I was focused on before the match. You know, Somehow we won um, and got done. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I just won. So 
I mean, um, first of all, Max, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I guess, say. yeah, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't think I could win. I, I, I don't know. I, I will never say that I don't think I could have won a match because everybody, like, we're all, you know, there's all like the cliches. We're all human, or right. you know, anybody could be this on the right day or whatever. But uh, did I think I would win the match? Uh, uh, probably not. But I mean, I, I was going to give it my best shot. So. You know, I, I got to be honest with you, Max. First of all, I just want to say one thank you for your candorness there because I, I, your candidness there. I think, you know, as wrestlers in general, we're always you know raised and brought up to to, to at least say that we think we can beat anybody, wh- whether we truly believe it inside of us or not. So I do really appreciate the the honesty there. Um, two, listening to you talk about this, uh, you know, your your sequence and your preparation for these matches with Miles Martin this year has probably been uh, will go down as one of my favorite interview moments with anyone that we've ever spoken with. It's really it was really interesting to hear that that insight and that perspective from you right there. Um, and 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 three, it was from mine and Ben's perspective because we saw your first match with him at Cliff Keen. We saw the change the game plan changed that it, when you wrestled him in the duel. And then when we watched that match in the semifinals, everything that you just talked about right there, me and Ben has had, we've had countless conversations that we could tell that what the game plan was almost from, from time to time. And it's so fascinating to hear you talk about that. And at the end of the day, it was successful. Like it completely, it completely worked. And I mean that you, you essentially pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the entire season and with that said, I have to know, you know, what were the initial feelings and emotion as the match ended and you and you knew that you had just won? Like, you, you're seeing Coach Gray jump up in the air. You're seeing your brother jump up in the air. What was your thoughts? Oh, uh, you know, I, it was an unbelievable feeling. And, you know, those are, you know, some of the, I mean, like, that's just like, obviously the biggest win I've ever had in my career. And, um and knowing that I had just beaten a guy like that and knowing that I was going to have the opportunity to wrestle on Saturday night, which feels like everybody's dream. Right. Um, I, it was incredible. I mean, the adrenaline, everything, it was, it's like almost like a blur because it was just so, especially, I mean, a lot of times after a match, it feels like that or during a match is like a blur because you get so just focused on what you're going to do and you kind of take the emotion out of it. Um, like, especially while you're competing and you kind of detach from that, it's like you put it in its own little place and it's like, they're almost just like a body uh, and like almost like a robotic mind out there wrestling. And in the ideal sense to compete, like that's what you want. That's what you would want to do is you don't really want to be thinking about too much other than technically what you're trying to get done and you know, the match and it's like cleanest sense. So I hadn't, you know, it's weird because it takes a second for you to almost snap out of it. Like you're out there competing and you're in that mode. And then you, uh, it's like you wake up and in that situation, it was like, I woke up from the match and it was like, wow, that just happened. That's nuts. Um, you know, obviously I was excited, went and, uh, you know, jumped in my coach's arms and celebrated. And, you know, it was an awesome moment. And, you know, just to know that, you know, I had made them proud and, you know, made my family proud, made the Cornell wrestling program proud, you know, all the people that supported me, that was, uh, you know, that was a neat moment to share with all of them. That's that's uh, that's something that celebration is something I'll remember for a long time. Give us a few words about Miles Martin as a competitor. Uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, he I have no doubt is going to go on to accomplish a lot of great things and probably a freestyle career. And he had an amazing collegiate career. You know, he won an NCAA title. You know, I haven't done that yet. Um, Four time All-American 
incredible athlete, super technical. I don't, I won't act like I know him well, but seems like a super down to earth, humble kid. Um, everybody seems to really care for him. So, you know, I appreciate that, you know, he was such an awesome competitor and that, you know, I had the opportunity to wrestle him a few times and wish him nothing but the best. I, I, I think that's remarkable to hear you say, and I mean, it goes to show one, the amount of respect that the wrestling community has for Miles Martin, and also two, you know, not to, not to, you know, forget about you. It just goes to show how monumental that upset was in that moment. Um, and it was for anybody that was in that arena, it was a great a moment for it was a great moment for college wrestling. And you know, we should all feel you know feel privileged to have seen it there. Now, with that said, all right, so here you are in the semifinals. You pull off this this you know huge upset to make your you know, your, your first ever NCAA finals, you're going to wrestle on Saturday night. How do you go from the, that emotional high of pulling off that upset to basically coming back down to earth and getting your mind refocused and reset and prepared for the, for the finals to take place the next night? Oh, well, I could tell you how I should do it, but I did, I successfully, I I didn't, you know? Okay. So, and that's something I'm going to kind of have to live with. Um, yeah, I think after that, it was like, I almost let, it was, I had been in this, so like I talked about, you know, at the end of December, and the way I wanted to clear my mind up, I had been in this, you know, this state of, who cares what happens, I'm going to go out there and as hard as I can, and then it was almost like that happened, and I snapped out of it a little bit, I think I let what the NCAA finals match meant, you know, matter too much to me, and got a little bit too attached to what it was, maybe too excited. You know, I mean, it's like I've been dreaming about winning an NCAA title since I was a little kid, but you know, for whatever reason, I know that I got a little bit attached to materialism and I stole some away from myself. And like for, you know, Friday night, I mean, I didn't sleep barely, man. Like I, I was kind of tossing and turning in bed the whole day. You know, you kind of tell yourself that you're not, but you know, when you're carrying a little bit of stress and I was like, the stress was back now that I, you know, I hadn't had in so long. And like, I'm not a wrestler that, get, that usually gets tired. You know, I'm, I got a pretty good gas tank, but I, I'm like one minute into my NCAA finals match, I felt exhausted. And that's always a sign, you know, you're stressing when that happens. Maybe an so, adrenaline dump. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure it's a combination of things. I mean, it doesn't help when you, when you beat a superstar like that, you know, right. on Friday night, and then you got to get ready to snap back into it to wrestle, you know, again for an NCAA title on Saturday night. It's almost a little bit like trying to win in two NCAA titles or, you know what I mean? It's just two, but the, uh, you know, that's something that's, that's on me. You know, I have to be accountable to that. You know, I didn't approach it mentally right. And, you know, that's, I think that's why I hurt so bad is because that's something I'm gonna have to live with my entire life. And I don't mean to take credit away from Drew Foster Hats off to him, man. He wrestled a great match. He had a great tournament, a great career, great season. And, you know, he, I don't know him well, but he seems like a great kid, right. you know, credit to Northern Iowa and glad they have an NCAA champ. And, you know, I shook his hand when we were getting on the podium and I said, Hey, congrats, man. Um, but I just know that, you know, I'm going to kind of have to live with it and know that, you know, I, I, I walked off the mat and immediately I knew I was stolen away from myself. And I think that's what hurts so bad. Uh, I, I can definitely understand that. Uh, um, and I think, you know, the valuable lesson from it is just knowing, like, it, I mean, it's a lot of pain and almost kind of anger with yourself. And I think that's what makes us all better is, you know, painful things. Just knowing now now more than ever, like, 
I'm never going to freaking step on a mat with fear again. Um, the only reason I'll ever step on a mat again is to be exactly who I want to be. And that's a fearless competitor. So, you know, I wish I would have known that as well as I knew it, you know, last Saturday night before I wrestled, but I, you know, sometimes it's what it takes for you to figure it out, I guess. I think that's probably some of the greatest insight that we could that we could ever hear from from someone in your situation, Max. And I, we we really appreciate that again that honesty from you. Um, and I know I know it doesn't make the situation any different, but it's in my opinion, from an outsider's perspective, um, you're fortunate to have learned that hard lesson as a sophomore rather than learning that hard lesson as a senior. You know, nothing's ever guaranteed, but you still have two more years to get back to that spot or at least get back to that match and. Um, you know, I, I hope we get to see you do it. I mean, it's, it, it was great watching you do it this year. I do want to ask you, um, you know, obviously you're wrestling Drew Foster in that match in the finals, a guy that I believe you were three and one against in your last four matches wrestled. Did that ever come across your mind? Did you ever happen to over, you know, kind of maybe overlook it a little bit because you had that, ha- had had that success against him? Oh, uh... Across my mind, yeah. I mean, yeah, it shouldn't have crossed my mind, you know, if I would have been in the right place mentally. Um, but, yeah, you know, I thought about it. Overlooked him, I wouldn't say. I mean, I know he's a good wrestler. And right. it's never like I've just beaten him and it's been easy, you know. So um, it's a match that I would, I would love to have back. You know, I never will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I knew I'd wrestled him a few times and had been generally successful and, um, you know, maybe let that anytime your mind starts to wander towards stuff like, like that, just me thinking that, you know, yeah, I wrestled a few guys, and I've beaten them a few times immediately there. I'm thinking about, Oh, I've beaten them a few times and your mind starts wandering and you start thinking about all these things that, you know, get back to what does it have to do with grabbing a guy's leg? It doesn't, it, it's not really relevant. Um, but I let my, you know, I kind of let my mind go to all those places that aren't really relevant and spend energy on those things that, you know, have nothing to do with going out and wrestling a match. Um, you know, you're thinking about, oh my God, I'm wrestling on Saturday night and I'm doing, you know, I, I'm doing it. I'm here doing it. It's crazy. It doesn't even seem real. And almost in a way being, you know, I'd say that you wouldn't be at least a little bit excited about that, but to be focused on that, it's, you know, it's not where you want to be as a competitor. And I know I let myself go there and, uh, you know, that's the regret I have. Well, again, you know, uh... From, from from Ben and I, from two outsiders, you know, two average Joes who were watching you. It was it was fantastic watching you this season. Um, congrats on an, on an amazing tournament, to, you know, in in its own right. I know at the end of the day, you didn't accomplish that that ultimate goal that you set out for, but it was so phenomenal to see you watch, see your progression throughout the year, watch you pull off that big upset. And um, we both look, you know, are very much looking forward to, to watching you wrestle the next two years in your junior and season senior season. Um, so, and with that, with that said, you know, I think pretty much everyone that made the podium this year at 184 pounds graduates with the exception of Dakota Gear. Um, so ultimately, you know, by, you know, all, you know, by all, you know, rankings, you know, prognosticators and all of that, I know you don't pay any attention to that, but in theory, you're going to come back next year as, as basically the early, you know, the preseason number one guy. How do you feel about that? And and what can you learn from your brother Gabe on how to handle that pressure that he you know when he had to go through that? Uh, yeah, sorry, not to you know maybe it's kind of a bland answer, but it doesn't seem relevant. You know that I'd be ranked anything. Like, who cares? It's not gonna 
being ranked number one isn't going to help me accomplish my goals. So, um, and if I start to care about that, it's probably just going to piss me off at myself. Um, as far as Gabe could help me with that, it's the same way that, you know, he's kind of always helped me as, you know, emotionally and mentally as a competitor. It's just that, you know, that stuff's not relevant. And, you know, what we care about is going out there fearless and wrestling through every position. So, you know, I'm sure that's the way I'll train and the way I'll compete with Gabe in my corner and I'll just keep it right on that level. I'm going to use um, the saying that you said, I think you said it was your father said with basically in my daily life is what the hell does that have to do with grabbing a guy's leg? Every time I get too stressed out or too something about whatever, I'm just going to think about that. I think that's awesome, man. That is, that is a really hey, cool Well, saying. thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Like it's a cool, it, it, it's very applicable to life in general. And I think that's a great thing about wrestling is the lessons that you learn here, you know, about being fearless, being task oriented are things that, you can apply to every aspect of your life. You know, if, if you can come out of wrestling, having learned that and then attack life with no fear and, you know, with the work ethic and the discipline and everything that wrestling teaches, you know, you're going to, whatever you're doing, you're going to do about as well as you could do at it. And, uh, you know, I think that's the great thing about the sport. You know, it's something I'm super grateful for. Yeah. I think your father's, uh, your father's response or saying there just goes to show that sometimes the best answers in life are usually can be the most simplest answers as well. So, all right, Max. Listen, man. I think we kept you on longer than what we anticipated. Um, I, I, you know, I apologize for that, but I, I do want to say thank you so much again for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Um, it has been nothing short of phenomenal for us to watch you this year, watch your tournament. Um, we've we followed you the last couple of years. Um, you are a very very exciting wrestler to watch wrestle, and we are looking you know so forward to watching you compete and battle these next two years. So, thanks again for coming on and joining us. Um, do you have any final words or thoughts that you want to throw out there for the listeners? Uh, no, just, you know, Brandon, Ben, really appreciate you guys having me on. I think it's awesome what you're doing, you know, for the sport and with this podcast and had a great time talking to you guys. Hope to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. Look, hey, if you're if you're if you're willing to do it, uh, we'll definitely uh, be happy to have you on next season or, your, you know, even the season after that as well. Uh, yeah. Hey, sounds great. Uh, you guys take care and, uh, you know, thanks again for having me on. All right. Thanks so much, Max.